Welcome to the Deep Wealth Podcast, where you learn how to extract your business and personal deep wealth. I'm your host, Jeffrey Feldberg. This podcast is brought to you by Deep Wealth and the 90-Day Deep Wealth Experience. When it comes to your business deep wealth, your exit or liquidity event is the most important financial decision of your life. But unfortunately, up to 90% of liquidity events fail. Think about all that time and your hard-earned money wasted. Of the quote-unquote successful liquidity events, most business owners leave 50% to over 100% of the deal value in the buyer's pocket and don't even know it. I should know. I said no to a seven-figure offer and yes to mastering the art and the science of a liquidity event. Two years later, I said yes to a different buyer with a nine-figure deal. Are you thinking about an exit or liquidity event? Don't become a statistic and make the fatal mistake of believing the skills that built your business are the same ones to sell it. After all, how can you master something you've never done before? Let the 90-day Deep Wealth Experience and the 9-step Roadmap of Preparation help you capture the best deal instead of any deal. At the end of this episode, take a moment and hear from business owners like you who went through the Deep Wealth Experience. Jody Cook is a Forbes 30 under 30 social entrepreneur in Europe. In 2011, Jody started a digital agency that was later acquired in 2021. Alongside running a business, Jody writes books and articles about entrepreneurship and powerlifting. Jody's books include Stop Acting Like You're Going to Live Forever, Daily Me, and Instagram Rules. Jody also co-wrote How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids and the Clever Tyke Storybooks. As a social media expert, Jody is a regular contributor for Forbes magazine on entrepreneurship as well as providing commentary to publications. Welcome to the Sell My Business Podcast. And as usual, I not only have a terrific guest, but this guest is no stranger to the Deep Wealth Sell My Business Podcast. She's been on before, but she's back for round two. And for round two, all you business owners out there that have been fortunate enough to have a liquidity event, or even if you're thinking about a liquidity event, it's my favorite question to ask. It's the now what question. And the now what question goes something like this. We're going to do a quick thought experiment before our guest shares her pearls of wisdom with us. So imagine you've sold your company, whether you have or haven't, just imagine you've sold your company. You're traveling the world, first class, luxury hotels, luxury travel, you buy all the toys, but you're now on a beach and you're having your pina colada. And truth be told, one beach looks like all the other beaches. You don't even know where you are. And when you're back at the hotel, it's what city am I in? All these hotels look alike. And you're back at the beach again and you're thinking, Oh my goodness, now what? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? So all you listeners out there, hang on to that thought. Jody, welcome back to the Deep Wealth Sell My Business Podcast. You need no introduction. And again, congratulations on your liquidity event. And thank you for coming back with us. Have a very candid conversation of your thought process, your thought experiments after the liquidity event. So why don't we pick up from there? You had an incredible liquidity event. Now what, Jody? 
First of all, thank you so much for inviting me back on. And also thank you for the podcast itself. Since being on the show, I've listened to so many of the episodes. And actually one thing that struck me after selling my business was I hardly knew anyone else who had sold their business. So just hearing the stories of other people who had added so much value and helped demystify that whole what's next, what now question, which is the question that is just in your head all the time after you sell. So in the last episode, I talked about how before selling my business, I journaled on the question, what do I want and how am I going to do it? And after I sold, I did exactly the same, journaled almost every day on that exact question, those two questions, I guess. And I think that what you said about going to the luxury hotels and being on the beach and then realizing that all beaches look the same is so accurate. And I definitely went through that phase. And I think I tried not to put pressure on myself as to what I was going to do next, but how I decided to approach the time, and it's been 14 months now since I sold and since I handed over What I tried to do is come up with different experiments and just run experiments and run it as a test to see what next could hold. So I sold in March, handed over in the middle of March, spent April, the beach, the beach stuff that you talked about. I spent May recording podcasts. And so I went into my inbox, found all the podcast invitations I had and just said yes to all of them and recorded about 20 podcasts in that month. June, I spent teaching. So a friend has a entrepreneur accelerator and he said, come and do some talking to these startup entrepreneurs about how to make their first 100,000. So I spent June doing that. July, I spent writing. So I have a Forbes column and I spent that month interviewing entrepreneurs and writing about their stories. And then August, I spent competing in powerlifting. So I had two competitions in that month. And when I got to the end of that time, I started to think, How did these experiments go? And what does this tell me about what I want to do next? And you might know the man in the arena speech, the very famous address. And it made me think, so in May, the podcasts, that's that's talking about the arena, the teaching, that's that's kind of teaching other people in the arena. And then the writing was writing about the arena. And then the competing was, yeah, it's an arena, the powerlifting, the stage, it's an arena, but it's not the business arena, it's a different arena. And what I realized is I just love the arena of entrepreneurship. It's so many of us, like so many people listen to might have a business now or they have just sold a business, but they probably are in the arena of entrepreneurship because they just love it. And what I came to realize is that I know that I wanted to start another business and I know that I love running a business. It just wasn't the one that I just sold. So that was my realization. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, Jody, firstly, thank you so much. You're putting yourself out there. You are letting all of us into your private experiences, your private thoughts, that inner chatter that happens after the liquidity event. And for all the listeners out there, you will not hear this anywhere else. What Jody is sharing is what you're going to go through. You just don't know it yet. And for better or worse, your advisors can't really tell you about this unless they've done it themselves. You're not going to read about this in a book. You're not going to hear it in a classroom. And so what Jody just shared of her journey immediately following her liquidity event, that's what's in store for you. And, and Jody, so in your case, 
you were doing things that you loved and you got some passion out of it, but it sounds like it started to feel like, well, kind of same old, same old, and I'm maybe talking about what I love doing. Why aren't I back there doing that? How was that? When that realization came to you, what happened next? The realization was really important because before selling, I journaled about it. I thought about what it might be like. I'd had a little idea, but I wasn't super sure. And I thought that I might just want to write books all the time. But the realization was that writing books and writing articles about entrepreneurship was interesting because it was taking all the mess in my head from running a business and it was the outlet for it. But when you don't have the material, it's not that fun. And it, I really didn't feel like I wanted to be a full-time writer without having the material, the muse, the inspiration. So next, I set about finding that next, that next muse, that next business. And my husband, when he tells people that we sold the business and then we're going to start a new one, he says, well, Jody wanted to start a business. I didn't want to start a business. So we compromised and we started a business. And that is really how that is really how it happened. I, I think I was very set that this was the plan and this was the only way forward. I couldn't imagine another year of not having a business to work on. So that was a really fun period of, okay, how do we come up with an idea for a new business? And that was when we came up with a load of parameters. And you know what? You have a very wise husband who said, <laughs> hey, let's just start the business. You know what, Jody? Yeah, let's go out there and let's do it. Now, for our listeners out there who are thinking, okay, may I be so fortunate to have a liquidity event? Another business is not in the cards. That's okay too, because the thought process that we're going to go through while we're talking about what went through Jody's mind for another business and, and that clarity that she got from writing and journaling, it's that same process, the same best practice that you can apply for yourself with whatever you want to do with your life after the liquidity event. And so, Jody, what really inspired this episode, I am a fan of your blog and your articles. And for all you listeners out there, in the show notes, there will be a link to her blog. Please click on it and subscribe. And so you sent this email out and I just stopped what I was doing when I was reading it. And I was like, she's a genius. Like I knew she was smart, but she's just off the charts genius because this is brilliant. And then I reached out and said, hey, this would make a, a terrific episode. So when you look back to what you had created in that article, the $100 million idea, and you chronicled what your thought process was, if you can share some of your inner thoughts with the community, that would just be terrific. I once I decided that I wanted to get back in the arena, the next step was finding the business idea to enter the arena with. So together with my husband, we carried out two exercises. And the first was where we defined the parameters of our future business. And the second was where we thought of ideas within those parameters. Why I feel like parameters are really important when you're coming up with your next idea is because without them, you'll probably pick the wrong idea. And if you've had a liquidity event, if you've had a successful exit, what you've got now is the luxury of choice and of time and of capital and probably freedom. And so you don't need to rush into this. You can probably take the time to think about it properly. I think if someone rushed me into choosing a business idea, I would probably just open a gym. And I know that I don't really want to open a gym because it would tie me down to a certain location. But if I didn't think about it, I would go, hey, that sounds like a good idea. And then I'd just barrel forward with it and do it. And then in a few years time, I'd be like, oh, can't travel now. I didn't really want to have a gym. So that's part of the reason why parameters are just so important. You know, Jordi, if I can just jump in there, because I think what's so important and 
you're very modest. I mean, for all of our listeners out there, Jody is a successful founder and entrepreneur. She's a thought leader, a best-selling author, a power lifter, and the list goes on and on. Jody, every time we talk, I learn something new about you. But to your point, if you would have rushed it, I mean, maybe that month that you were doing powerlifting, you would have just said, I love powerlifting so much, I'm going to just go back into it and I'll be at the Olympics and beyond that and on and on we go. So the question for you is, how did you not rush into it? Because as type A personalities and you know, as entrepreneurs, we just jump in both feet, let's go, let's do it. But you're wise enough and smart enough to resist that and just slowly ease yourself back into the process. It was very difficult. I did it by setting rules. And some of the rules, one that springs out, one that stands out especially is don't buy any domain names. I love that. Don't buy any domain names. <laughs> just don't buy any domain names, even if it's available, even if it's amazing, just don't buy any, don't start anything, don't set up any websites, don't come up with any brands, don't even think about any ideas. Definitely don't Google to see if the idea already exists. I think that's a really bad idea anyway, but especially if you're not looking to move forward really quickly. I guess it was just the thought that if it's the right one, we won't be able to stop thinking about it. So give it the time to not be able to stop thinking about it. Because yeah, type A personality entrepreneurs probably have a good idea every day, at least, if not every hour. So how do you know when you could roll forward with every single idea you think of? You have to take the time to let it settle and think properly think about it. You know what? The discipline that you have kudos to you. I didn't have that. And yeah, I was the guy buying the domains and I was the guy <laughs> out there searching who's doing this. And I was the guy who was hopping in both feet, ready, fire, aim into all these different things. And I did not have the discipline, which ultimately didn't lead to the best outcomes, but you did. And congratulations, a virtual high five to you, Jody. That's the way to do it. It's tough. It's really tough, especially where is it something to do with not necessarily feeling like you've got anything that you're really focusing on and I remember going to social events and being asked that dreaded question what do you do and being like I have no idea someone asked me in the gym and I said I just don't know how to answer that at all <laughs> and so maybe it's we rush to answer that question and and then rushing to answer that question we buy the domain name that will help us define ourselves so it's almost it's masking a bigger a bigger problem which is that loss that sense of loss of identity and, you know, it sounds to me like you've been a journaler, if not all your life, for a good part of your life, and it's perhaps second nature to you. And you kind of gloss over it when you're describing, well, I journaled that question, and then I journaled it again, and I took the same set of questions just in a different way, and I journaled that. So for our listeners out there who don't journal, and maybe if they journal, it's the digital type, as opposed to the good old-fashioned pen and, and paper, why should they reconsider journaling as opposed to not doing anything at all or, or even a digital journal? What have you found in terms of the benefits for you and, and the differences that it made for you? For me, journaling is all about self-awareness. It's all about knowing who I am. I think the more that you know who you are, the more that you know what you want, and the less that you get sidetracked by other people, by the news, by what someone else thinks you should do and the more you live life based on your version of success and not someone else's so for me it's just a giant lesson in self-awareness so I understand that the, the blank page could be daunting if you're not a journaler and if you're trying to get started so 
I always try and start with a question. And often it's just, what do I know for sure? And then you just free write and don't think too much about it. But you could do bullet points. What do I know for sure? And it could be anything. And when I was younger, I used to journal and then my sister would read my diary <laughs> and, uh, and we would. And that was a problem. But now no one reads your diary. It's just not a thing. You can hide it. You don't even have to keep the pieces of paper if you don't want to. It's just this safe space for you to write whatever you want. It helps insane self-awareness, which I just think can never be a bad thing. And so it sounds like from the journaling that you did, a couple of things came out of that. So number one, you're right. We have this tendency for, well, I want to be occupied. I don't want to just, I'm not comfortable not doing anything or, or with space. I mean, that's a whole other issue. That's a whole different episode that we can talk about. <laughs> but instead of, to your point, listening to the news or mindlessly web surfing, it sounds like when you're journaling, you're keeping your focus on relevant thoughts to you. And if you want to change your life, change the questions that you ask. So when you journaled and when I read that article, I, I can imagine that the article was first really a whole number of journal pages that you then took and that whole thought process and, and put it into the article. And so in the article, when you're talking about what you want in your life, and, and we're going to talk about from a business side what you wanted, but it just as easily could have been you asking the question, okay, from a non-business perspective, what do I want? What principles do I want to follow? What values do I want to have in my life? that have nothing to do with running a business. And you could have asked that question, you asked a different question, but you came up with seven really interesting, I'll call them best practices to help you make a decision. Did you wanna talk a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. So these were the parameters for the next business that we were going to start. And it was within the idea generation phase, which I kind of affectionately think of as the summer of ideation, because it's real good fun coming up with business ideas. But the seven parameters that they all had to fit within were as follows. The first one was that it had to be location independent. Because probably from journaling or just from living life this way, I know it was really important that the business didn't have a fixed location and it wouldn't require me to be in a fixed location to run it so it had to be something that could be online or somehow location independent the second was that it must have the potential to become a hundred million dollar company and I've really started thinking in dollars now it used to always be pounds but I think since I've been traveling more it's just dollars think in dollars and the purpose of that one is so that the ideas had a certain scale to them and that was the number that we chose and I admire your courage because I'm sure a lot of people listening may be saying, well, not our audience. Our audience are forward thinking and we're risk takers and they're thinking, what, a hundred million? You know, Jody, why not a billion? But yeah, you had the yeah. courage with a hundred million, but some people may be saying, wow, Jody, you actually wrote a hundred million dollars? Like, why? How dare you do that? What, what makes you think that you're going to get to the hundred million? But you had that confidence in yourself to, to put that down on paper. And we talked last time, didn't we, about intention and yes. what you write down and how somehow magically some things just seem to manifest themselves. So this was me writing down this intention and putting it out there for whatever would happen next. And then so you spoke about the $100 million company. And, and then when you went on to the other ones, would you like to share that with the audience? So the third one was that it had to fit within both mine and Ben, my husband's zones of genius. And the zone of genius exercise is one that I really love. And it's a really good exercise to journal on as well, because it kind of helps you find your purpose. It helps you find your mission. And so the exercise consists of a Venn diagram, a triple circle Venn diagram. And in one circle, you write what I like doing. 
In the second circle, you write what I am good at. And in the third circle, you write what the world needs. And I would encourage anyone listening who hasn't completed this exercise to complete it. And don't be humble when you complete it, because there's probably lots of stuff there that you might not say out loud. But for the purpose of this exercise, pop it into those circles. And the intersection of those three circles is your zone of genius. It's where you are uniquely placed to serve. The zone of genius and you're playing to your strengths, what you're passionate about, but it's not being naive enough. Well, just because I like it, the whole world is obviously going to like it. It's okay. What's going on out there in the world? What's a problem, a painful problem that I'm passionate to solve? So you capture all that and find your strengths, which is just terrific. And the the existence of the third circle, which is what the world needs, that makes it a commercial endeavor. Because if you were just going forward with what you like and what you're good at, you could do that and not get paid for it. You could just sit on the beach all day or anything like that. But the world doesn't really need you to do that. And the world is probably not going to pay you for that. So it means it is a commercial endeavor. And that was the point of this exercise as well, because of number two, the $100 million company. So the fourth one was that it must be able to run successfully with a relatively small and close-knit team. I don't yet know what that relatively actually means because it could be five, it could be 20, it could be 200, but that's why relatively (laughs) is in there rather than an actual number because I thought it was a bit silly defining an actual number of employees. And you know what, Jody, I love how you're differentiating and, and for the benefit of our listeners, so you've heard in the previous episode, which we'll link to in the show notes, Jody talked a lot about intention oh, I think I'd like to sell my business. And then boom, a few weeks later, you spoke to someone who sold their business and that led to the sale of your business. And then as you're going along with that intention, you're writing things down. And in some areas you're specific, I want a $100 million business and I'm not gonna complain if it's more. But in other areas, you're smart enough to say, you know what, I don't know what size of a close-knit business, what that means, if it's five people or 500 people, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to put down the intention of a close-knit company size and people and whatever's going to feel right at the time. That's just what I'm going to go with. So you really, you're not locking yourself in on the one hand when you shouldn't, but you're being specific on the other hand when you need to. And it's great to see how you're able to really, between one and the other, know what to do and what not to do. So, so a heads up for all of our listeners out there as you're journaling, as you're doing intentional journaling, what you can be thinking about. I think as entrepreneurs, we probably want to control everything and it's easier to define it than not to define it. But sometimes there's there's quite a lot of power in writing down, I haven't figured this out yet or I don't know the answer to this yet and leaving that blank space and being okay that you're going to surrender to someone else working this out for you or some other forces. Absolutely. And I can just see you, you're journaling your thoughts, yourself and Ben, and you're going through this. And then you get to number five. which I think is incredibly regal of you. And it's wonder we need more of that. Why don't you share that with the audience of what five was and the inspiration behind it? Well, five is just must be good for the planet. It's not like we were coming up with business ideas that weren't good for the planet, but it felt like it should be in there because we want to do stuff that contributes in some way. And I'm trying to think of ideas that we could have just come up with that wouldn't be good for the planet, but would be good for us. But maybe there probably are some, you know, like things that are made of certain materials or things that teach a certain method or yeah, there's lots that could have been in in there, but we thought it was important to just have that in there as a, as one of the parameters. Six was must have a target audience of entrepreneurs. And that's 
probably because of my zone of genius and because all the writing I do and lots of the people I hang out with and the networks I'm part of, they're all entrepreneurs. Sometimes I only hang out with entrepreneurs and then I forget that some people aren't entrepreneurs and that's okay too. So that one just made sense. And I think having a vague idea of a a target audience is a really good idea because if you don't necessarily think of the idea straight away, you can just think of that audience and then you can ask them about their challenges and their problems. And that might lead you to business ideas as well. So having a target audience felt quite important. And that was probably the most useful parameter of all of them because it get it controlled the ideas the most. Because the gym doesn't have a target audience of entrepreneurs, let's say, but all the ones we thought of did. You know, that could have been an idea, a gym for entrepreneurs, but I digress. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the last but not least, and this to me was the most intriguing as I read through the list. I was like, okay, yeah, check, got that, understand that. And then seven, I was like, oh, wow, what's this about? So tell us about number seven. I think that everyone benefits from having their own personal mission statement. And the framework that I like to think of for someone's mission statement is how you live and how you serve. So my grandma had a mission statement. She didn't know it, but she had a mission statement and it was just to raise a happy family. And in that one statement is how she lived and how she served. And so I think that mine is discover what I'm capable of and help other people do the same. And so the ideas all being within somehow within the field of human capability, which is the seventh parameter, seemed to make sense. And if anyone listening to this is coming up with their own different ideas, there will be a topic, there will be something that you just can never stop thinking about. And maybe it's come out in your zone of genius exercise. But for me, it's human capability. And so that was the important thing that all the ideas must be within. Terrific. So you have these seven brilliant insights that are really guiding you. And for our listeners, this is what moves the dial for Jody. And maybe this does that for you, maybe it doesn't. But the point is, with whatever you create, it it really has to mean something to you. And Jody, let me ask you this, because in the last episode, we spoke about intention, but we went beyond intention. And we spoke about the importance of not just words on paper, but the feeling that you associate with what you're reading. So when you read through those seven items, and you just went through them again with us today, and thank you for that, for doing that just now, can you describe some of the feelings that you're conjuring up as you go through those seven that made a difference for you in going through the process of selecting the next idea? I think that having them down on paper is one thing, but looking at them and feeling like that is the business that you run gives a whole new dimension to it. So however many parameters you might come up with, it's almost like imagine that you have that business that fits within those things that has the potential to become valued at whatever you want it to be valued at. It almost makes you feel a certain way about it. And maybe you engage different parts of your brain and maybe that helps you think of more ideas. But I think it's I think it's a powerful exercise for those reasons. And then so when you came up with this and you got those good vibe feelings coming out of that, this was really not the end. This was just the beginning because then it was some of the heavy lifting where you now had to look at ideas, analyze them, see where that took you, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. And I know we don't have time to go into the whole process. And your article does an incredible job. There will be a link in the show notes. Please click on that. You can read the entire article from start to finish. But coming out of that, Jody, it, it seems like, not to put words in your mouth, it was like a North Star for you in terms of helping to guide you of, okay, what's working? 
What do I want? What do I not want? What's this feeling that I want to achieve? Oh, I think I'm missing this here. Let me add this into the formula. Okay, much better. Let's now move in that direction. So what happened after this? It was about coming up with the ideas that fit in with those parameters. But first, it was this realization that the business that fit within those parameters, we might not, we didn't know it then. We didn't, maybe it wasn't even in our current minds, in their current state. We had to find inspiration and we had to be inspired from different places. And humans are just creatures of habits. Even if you've had a huge pattern interrupt that is selling your business, you still probably were going to go to the same coffee shop. You're going to take the same walks around you and do a lot of the same things. So it was this huge realization that we needed to do things differently. We went and explored new places. We mixed up our scenery. We tried out new activities. We met new people. There's a rule in improvisational comedy that I love, and it's called the yes and rule. And it's where if someone comes up with an idea or a sentence or some concept that they're saying as part of the the show, the other people around them can't just shut it down. They can't just say, oh no, but what about this? They have to say yes and that it helps to further it. So if Ben and I had conversations together about business ideas, Even if I said one that was really stupid and he knew it was really stupid, he'd say, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. And what else would it mean? And that was a really important way to keep the energy high and make sure that we were both just sharing just the random stuff that came into our brains. So it sounds like no judgment. Let's be curious and let's encourage the other person, even if it's a wacky idea. Oh, okay. That sounds like it could be interesting. And then now what or what's next and just getting that dialogue to go in a creative kind of format yeah and it's fun and because maybe if I had come up with a business idea before when I was running a business I would say no way am I doing anything here now I am focusing and so it felt really nice to have the freedom just to talk openly about different business ideas so we wrote them all down we made a spreadsheet And the spreadsheet now has 27 different business ideas in it. And they all fit within those seven parameters. And maybe one day I can share them all. And if anyone else wants to roll with the 26 that we're not rolling with, then they are very, very welcome to. But writing it down is really important because you might just forget about them if you don't write them down. But also it meant that we could write down things like the target audience, the plan, the route to market, and just talk a little bit more about how it would actually happen in practice. Something really important is refraining. Well, firstly, refraining from buying domain names because we've mentioned that and that's super important. But also, I think refraining from research. It's really easy to think of a great idea or what you think is a great idea and then to log straight onto Google and see if anyone else has done it. And I don't think you win at all from doing that because you either see your idea already in practice, you see someone else doing it and you start to, it's almost like a separation thing that you start to see comparison and you think oh I could never do that or oh they're not doing it very well I could do it better and neither of those are really useful at this stage but then if you don't see anything it's either oh I don't see anything it can't be a great idea because there's no need for it or it's oh I don't see anything therefore I should do it right now so out of all the four possible things that could happen none of them are really actually that useful so that's why I think it's really important not to do any research at all leave it in your own rather than involving Google. Love that. So let it percolate. Don't do any comparisons. It's not going to take you down the the best path. It's going to perhaps change how you feel about it or how you view it. And then just work with it and see where it takes you and refine it from one day to the next until it gets to the point where, yeah, you know what? I'm ready to take this to the world and, and see how it's going to go and how I can change lives. 
Yeah. And then also staying in the ideation phase and keeping it going for the time period that you've already agreed on, which I think was a month or so for us. But it would be really easy to think that idea two was the one and then to stop what you were doing. But even now that we are rolling forward with one of them, we're still thinking of ideas and they're still going on the spreadsheet because you just never know. It's a useful exercise anyway. You just don't know what's going to happen in the future. And for our listeners, firstly, no spoiler alert here. This may be a different episode where Jody comes back and tells us what the one is of the 26 or 27. But the question for the listeners, and Jody, I'm sure the idea that you picked, you will ensure that this thing just takes off and changes lives and changes the world. And, you know, somewhere down the road, if you didn't want to do that anymore, or for whatever reason, it didn't work, bit of a rhetorical question. Of the remaining 26, you would think there'd be at least another winner in the 26. So you're really stacking the odds in in your favor that of that list, something there is going to work. Or even if none of that works, so just go back to the process, the ideation process, and just do it all over again and and get yourself to a really good place. I think so. That's a really interesting question because, so idea 22, no spoiler, but idea 22 is the one that we are going ahead with. And the main reason is because we just could not stop thinking about it. It felt like a light bulb moment when we even talked about it. And then it was like, yeah, it it has to be this. And even though we kept on thinking of ones after and went up to 27, it was still, everything kept coming back to that one. And we kept talking about it and we'd find, we'd go out for dinner and then it'd be like, oh, but what about this? But then you say that it didn't take off or whatever happened in the future. I wonder if, the other ones would actually be on the table still. And maybe because they were second, they were always second to this one. So would we just have to do the exercise again? And would the parameters have changed? And maybe we'd have new parameters and we start a whole new spreadsheet. And hopefully I'd have shared the other 26 and other people would be making huge successes of all of them. So they wouldn't even be on the table anymore. I don't know, but that's, yeah, that's a really interesting, it's just a really interesting thought experiment. Or maybe, Jody, in the multiverse, you are doing all 27 of them as we speak right now, and they're all fabulously successful. But the, the, the point is you've created a system which you've been very generous to share, and thank you for that. I know we're starting to bump up again some time here, but you, you shared your inner workings, your inner thoughts of how you go about an ideation process and whether you've had a liquidity event and you're going into version two, another business, or version three, whatever that is. Or it's not going to be in business. The same process still applies, and it's powerful. This is from the trenches, from what you're sharing. So, Jody, two quick things here, and I know we're right up against time. And you shared something with me at the start of the interview, or actually offline, of what's going to be coming out in July, which is right around the time when this podcast is going to be released. Did you want to share with our audience what's happening? Yes, absolutely. I have a new book out in July, July 2022. It's called 10 Year Career. And I actually wrote this book in the first 90 minutes of every single day while my sale was going through because I was so impatient and I knew that I needed to stop being impatient and stop following up the buyer because that wouldn't work in my favor. So I channeled all this impatient energy into planning out a book and making it happen and then got a publisher and a cover and all the exciting stuff that goes with it. And yeah, it's out in July and it's all about how to start, grow and sell a business that might mean that you could do a huge chunk of your career within 10 years and then have a whole new 
decision to make after that, which might involve doing work or it might involve doing something else. I love that. And you know what we'll do in the show notes, we will have a link for all of your books. And when that book comes out, it'll just automatically appear there and our listeners can pick up a copy, which I encourage you to do. And so Jody, as we wrap this up, I was really thinking as we went into this episode, I can't ask Jody the favorite question I ask every guest with the back to the future, going back to the past, but I came up with a variation of it. So why don't you run with me on it very quickly, because we have this tradition and tradition is tradition, right? That's just how we are creatures of habits, as you said. So for the benefit of our new listeners, imagine the movie Back to the Future, and you have that magical DeLorean car that can take you to any point in time. So Jody, it's tomorrow morning, you look out your window, the DeLorean car is there, the door is open, it's waiting for you to hop on in, but unlike the last question where you went back in time, you're now going forward in time. And the question for you is this, imagine now it's the future Jody, and you're on the precipice of having your second liquidity event. And I'm sure there's all kinds of lessons learned in the future. But sometimes as we progress in the future, we forget what we've learned in the past. So when you look at your magnificently successful first liquidity event, what advice do you have for your future self of lessons learned or life wisdom or, hey, Jody, do this, but don't do that? What do you think that would be? Well, this is difficult. (laughs) I thought I got away with this from answering it last time. So something that I only realized in the last month or so, but I kept all the messages and all the things that the team put together for me when I did the handover and when I left. And it was so amazing looking back. And now that I'm back in the United Kingdom for a month or so, I've met up with a lot of my old team members and that's been amazing. So I would keep everything screenshot, everything that that your team members say to you about, oh, thanks for this and thanks for that. And they give you feedback about things, keep them all, put them all in a folder and revisit them later. Because when you don't have a team around you, that's the stuff that you're like, oh, I really love that. And it reminds you of these amazing people that you used to work with who made such a difference to your life when you had the business. And it feels like they're really important people to keep in touch with because you've just been through so much together. Reliving those magic moments, as I like to call them, with people who are special in your life at that time. That's wonderful advice. Well, Jody, a heartfelt thank you for spending some time with us. If our listeners would like to get in touch with you online, what would be the best place? Please visit jodycook.com and feel free to message through the contact form there. There's a link to my blog there. I blog twice a week and then all the social media links are there too. Terrific. We'll have all that in the show notes for our listeners. Well, Jody, thank you for taking part of your day and spending it with us on the Deep Wealth Sell My Business podcast. And as always, please stay healthy and safe. Thank you very much. The Deep Wealth Experience was definitely a game changer for me. This course is one of the best investments you will ever make because you will get an ROI of a hundred times that. Anybody who doesn't go through it will lose millions. If you don't have time for this program, you'll never have time for a successful liquidity. I mean, it was the best value of any business course I've ever taken. The money was very well spent. Compared to when we first began, Today, I feel better prepared, but in some respects, maybe less prepared, not because of the course, but because the course brought to light so many things that I thought we were on top of that we need to fix. 
I 100% believe there's never a great time for a business owner to allocate extra hours into his or her week or day. So it's an investment that will yield results today. I thought I will reap the benefit of this program in three to five years down the road. But as soon as I stepped forward into the program, my mind changed immediately. There was so much value in the experience that the time I invested paid back so much for the energy that was expended. The Deep Wealth Experience compared to other programs is the top. What we learn is very practical. Sometimes you learn stuff that is great to learn, but you never use it. The stuff we learn from Deep Wealth Experience, I believe is going to benefit us a both. I've done an executive MBA. I've worked for billion dollar companies before. I've worked for smaller companies before I started my business. I've been running my business successfully now for getting close to a decade. We're on a growth trajectory. Reflecting back on the Deep Wealth, I knew less than 10% what I know now maybe close to 1% even. Hands down the best program in which I've ever participated. And we've done a lot of different things over the years. We've been in other mastermind groups, gone to many seminars, workshops, conferences, retreats, read books. This was so different. I haven't had an experience that's anything close to this in all the years that we've been at this. It's five star, A plus. I would highly recommend it to any super busy business owner out there. And Deep Wealth is an accurate name for it. This program leads to deeper wealth and, and happier wealth, not just deeper wealth. I don't think there's a dollar value that could be associated with such an experience and knowledge that could be applied today and forever. Are you leaving millions on the table? Please visit www.deepwealth.com success to learn more. If you're not on my email list, you'll want to be. Sign up at www.deepwealth.com podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Sell My Business podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help me reach new listeners, grow the show, and continue to create content that you'll enjoy. As we close out this episode, a heartfelt thank you for your time. And as always, please stay healthy and safe.